reading is taken from James chapter 4, which is on page 1215 in the Pew Bibles. James chapter 4. Submit yourselves to God. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy you. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. This is the word of God. Thank you, Jill. And so now let's pray for Becky as she brings God's word to us. So Father God, we give thanks for Becky. And we give thanks for her love of you. And we give thanks for the gifts that come from you that are on her. And Lord, as we give thanks for that passage we have read as well, we pray that you would bless her and bless us. May we hear what you are saying to us this day. Amen. So this morning we are continuing our series looking um, through the book of James at the Marks of Mature Christian. Um, And despite what it might sound like when... um, No, they don't want to wave to me today. Um, Despite what it might sound like um, when we get a little bit in, this is written to a Christian community. And 
as we see so often with James, we've got these contrasts that he really likes to use. Um, I'll come back to that in a minute. And we're also seeing the similarity through the book that what is within us, what is in our hearts, impacts our actions and what we do. And as usual, James doesn't take any prisoners. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you use um, these words to help us to hear what's on your heart for us this morning? Lord, would you speak to us through your Holy Spirit? Amen. So, I've sort of got three points. For people who find that helpful, you can have them now. So... Firstly, who or what comes first in our order of priorities? A better way. You can join some dots up, perhaps, if you think like that. And then what now? So that first question, that first point, who or what comes first in our order of priorities? Is it a spouse, parent, child, pet, self, God? It depends on the day, perhaps. Depends how much energy we've got. Levels of business. Is it our work? Is it money? Our desires? What's in our diary? I don't know about you, but I find that quite a hard question. I'd like it not to be a hard question because I know what I'd like the answer to be. And in case that's not obvious, that would be God. But is it always? Be nice that if you, the minute you got one of these, that it automatically made the answer yes and it doesn't any more than it does for any one of us. I'd like it to be a resounding yes the entire time. But I think for many of it, it possibly isn't. So why am I asking that question? Why am I asking that question when we're looking at the marks of a mature Christian, when we're thinking about troublemakers, peacemakers? Well, James begins this passage looking at conflicts and disputes it's so real isn't it within a grouping perhaps picture um, how you spend some of your time whether that's work college if you're teaching with groups of children home uni church you get a group of people together and it's not really a long time before that can descend into greater or lesser levels of conflicts or disputes. People wanting their own way, people wanting to be right, people wanting to be heard, perhaps irrespective of anything that they've actually got to say. It's quite an easy idea to kind of engage with it. I think we all experience that. But James goes on to use some really stark language to talk about what he's talking about, to make his point. He uses the analogy, that language of adultery. It's perhaps not what we're expecting to hear in the middle of this passage from James. Tom Wright, um, a biblical scholar, talks about committing spiritual adultery, where we're married to God, but in a long-term relationship with the world. It's not a comfortable thing to hear. And surely that's not us. Shall we read on? What would that look like? James talks about friendship with the world. 
Well, what does a friendship look like? Do we spend time with each other? Do we do similar things? Do we get influenced by each other? I grew up um, for most of my childhood in the West Country of England, and I didn't have a West Country accent. And yet I spent one year in another area of Somerset, in a different part of Somerset, and I started picking up the local lingo. Um, Because of the people I was spending time with, I was working alongside somebody who'd um, grown up their entire life in Somerset, was very kind of born and bred in that community. And I noticed that I started calling people matey, which is how Sean used to refer to people. Yeah, it kind of scared me. Anyway, it's an example of how we get influenced by those around us. I hadn't gone out to um, try and sort of start using slightly, in my mind, strange kind of descriptions of people. But because I was spending time with this person, I was working alongside them, I was in that culture, I was influenced completely unconsciously. But perhaps it's okay because we can be better friends with God than with the world. He's a closer friend than the world. That's okay, isn't it? But it's not what James says. Verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We have to choose. We've got this contrast, one of the many contrasts that James uses throughout his letter. If we are a friend of the world, that makes us an enemy of God. And it's not comfortable reading. Especially if we think that perhaps we can unconsciously become a bit too friendly with the world. We can be influenced by the world that we live in. We all all have to live in the world around us. But are we being more influenced by that? And therefore... Does it mean that our priority is not God? That contrast of you can't be both a friend of the world and of God. And we hear about some of the ways that we might be influenced by the world in verses 11 and 12. Judging others, speaking evil of people, worldly ways and attitudes. What about a bit of gossip here and there and a bit of stirring? An unhelpful comment, oh I didn't really think. so easy to join in isn't it and because those types of comments those kinds of interactions are normal in the world if we're judging ourselves by we shouldn't be but if we're judging ourselves by worldly standards then perhaps it's not an issue but those are not God's standards as God's children we are called to be different we are called to a different way of living And so unsurprisingly, that leads us to point two, a better way. And the really good news is there are options. And um, James gives us those options here. He's not like letting us flounder and think that we have to just work it out on our own. He's been clear through the rest of his letter that, that he's under no illusions, that human nature prefers 
our human desires, the desires of the flesh, humanity, self, world, whatever you want to call them. But in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 4, he has got a plan. It's a nice three-step plan. Firstly, we submit to God. Then we resist the devil, and he will flee. And then we draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. It sounds so simple, and yet I think we all know that if it was as simple as that, then James wouldn't have been talking to people about being friends with the world. It is the easiest option to go with our human nature, our desires of me first, that I'll put my priority as myself or another human being. But it's not the only option. But we do have to make a conscious decision. It takes effort and there is a bit of a process. But let's look at this process a little bit more. Step one, submit to God. Proclaim him as the number one in our life. Yeah, we're going to get it wrong sometimes. We're going to kind of stray a little bit. But we can come back if that is what our heart's priority is. And acknowledging and accepting that God knows best. And alongside that, he wants what is best for us. It's not that we are submitting to some kind of higher power who is nasty and just wants us under the thumb. This is God who loves us more than we love ourselves. And so he is a safe person to yield to his authority and his way of life. And if we do that, it means that we can attempt to resist the devil. We can think that that is possible Because under our own strength, it's not. But under God's power, it is. And how do we do that? What does resisting the devil look like? Not accepting as truth what's said. Not accepting the lies that Satan wants to give us. And standing firm in God's strength, not in our own power. Not having that kind of, oh, well, it's going to happen anyway, or I'm going to give in anyway or I might as well just get on with it rather that we can stand firm in God's power and we can resist the devil and what we're promised is that if we do our part of that then the devil will flee the devil will go off where he needs to be back to where he belongs not with us and then we can draw near to God If we're already submitting to God, if we're keeping close to God, we're not trying to do things our way or at least acknowledging that we might want to, but we'd rather do them God's way. We're drawing closer to God rather than sort of being in the pockets of the world. How do we do it? How would we nurture any relationship? Let's think back to that friendship theme. Time, communication, Speaking, listening, prayer, Bible, church, being with other Christians. You probably know the score. And if you don't, talk to somebody around you who can kind of point you in the direction of what you might want to do. But again, a bit like if we resist the devil, then he will flee. If we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Because a friendship with God is not one of those one-sided friendships where you kind of do all the running, you kind of write the letters or the emails or make the phone calls, send the messages and don't get any response. 
those relationships that can feel a little bit like sort of plodding through mud. But God's not, not like that. If we show a little bit of willing, he's going to come running because he wants that relationship with us. But part of doing that is keeping those short accounts, coming with clean hands, pure hearts, getting right with God so that we can draw near to him. So what now? Where does that leave us? I was looking at the message paraphrase for um, this passage and verse 7 says, so let God work his will in you. I just really like that because there are some there are some parts of the Bible where it feels like it's not about earning salvation, don't get me wrong. But there's a lot that we need to do. And sometimes you read something and you think, okay, on this occasion, I just need to kind of let go of me and let God. Yes, there is my part to play. I have to be willing to let God do his will in me. But actually, if I'm an open book and saying to God, okay, you can, you can do what you want. I just need to sort of try and go along with that. But we do have that war within ourselves, don't we? We hear about it in verse 1. The war within us. Oh, I think we all know what this is like. The kind of, oh, well, the right thing's this, but I want to do this. What do I do? It really struck me that it's so much of the last few um, weeks of James have had that kind of contrast, that war. In the evening, um, we're having a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Again, it's talking about what's going on in here, coming out. So if we've got that war within us, if, if our self is overruling the God part, it's going to shape what we do. But if we kind of put ourselves down, just sort of not as in being nasty about ourselves, but less of ourselves, more of God, we can allow God to work in us, allowing him to shape our hearts. And he will shape our hearts. And he will spill out. So what's it look like? What happens if perhaps we recognise that we've been a bit too friendly with the world? Do we recognise that we're a bit prone to quarrels and conflicts, whinging, troublemaking, a bit of stirring here and there? We come back to God. We confess it. We repent. We turn away. Verse 10 in the message says, get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. It all comes back to God, rather unsurprisingly. We know, or most of us know, that if we come back to our Father God when we've gone off on our own way, we can ask for forgiveness. We can turn around and we will be forgiven. But it's like any new habit. I don't know about you. New habits, especially ones kind of concerning kind of healthy living, exercise, eating less rubbish. They're quite hard work, aren't they? You have to keep going because 
If you don't, it's easy to kind of just go, oh, I'll just give up. But we can ask for God's help. And if we need a new habit about being friends with God and that being our priority in everything we say and do and think, in the way that we act, in the way that we act at work, in the way that we act at church, in the way that we act in our family life. Forming that no habit is no different, apart from the fact that we're not trying to do it on our own. We're not trying to do it in our own strength because we have that promise that if we draw close to God, if we are available to God, if we're asking for his help, if we're wanting him to equip us and lead us, if we're putting him first, we want him to influence our actions and our behaviours, then he will draw close to us. And if our drawing close is just baby steps, because actually it's really hard sometimes to, to make God the number one, because we're humans and, yeah, gets in the way. Humanity has that habit. But he will honour that and he will draw close to us. He will supply the Holy Spirit to equip us. And so it's not about us trying really hard and then potentially falling short again. So perhaps let's just take an honest look. Are we living with more disputes and conflicts, more whinging quarrels, wanting to be right? than friends of God should be? Do we need to promote God back to his place as number one in everything that we say and do, striving for humility and for peace? Just going to finish with some words from Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Heavenly Father, we lay before you our hearts. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you show us if we've been a bit too friendly with the world? And Lord, where we have, would you help us to get back on track with you? And where we haven't, would you help us to be humble? And stay with you as number one. Thank you that we are not trying to do any of this in our own strength. Thank you that your Holy Spirit equips us, strengthens us, makes us effective for you. And helps us to put you as number one. Would you help us to strive for peace? through the power of your Holy Spirit.